Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. My fun research project has more existential risk than I anticipated. Episode 116. PL Timestamp, Day 13, 10, Night. Everyone's rings have kicked tonight. Ioni is pumped about this. She's going to have three hours a night of personal time. She's going to get to read books and not explode. But before personal hours begin, Ioni needs to have a much more dreaded conversation with Carissa about how to successfully retcon a personal confession to Keltham that is not entirely conformant with the Alter Cheliac's canon that currently seems to be developing. It's not her fault. It's not. If the Asmodeans didn't want Ione Salah to sound so much more terrified, back then, they shouldn't have fucking terrified her. I honestly don't have a good idea what to do with this. You could claim to think you were worried you'd be removed from the project over being a Nathesian? I am not sure if he'll remember things that contradict that. He well might. Keltham requesting all of his transcripts, or worse, somehow finding out about magical memory aids and demanding one of those, is one of my enduring nightmares about how this project ends. It should probably be in black on the wall, that we were too visibly making up altered chiliacs as we went along. If Keltham could actually review all the dialogue from then and compare it to the more complete-sounding world from now. Sala's transcript is one of the worst ones from that perspective. We are purely hoping that Keltham doesn't remember it well enough. Keltham asks how much trouble she's in, if the Chelish government finds out about her. She doesn't say she got truth spelled by security already. She says she doesn't know. It's halfway between red and black, we can maybe gloss that, even if Keltham remembers. But Ione is just not acting like someone from Alter Cheliacs there, and that overall impression is one that he may be able to notice in retrospect. And Keltham is going to remember that Sala was too scared to tell anyone she was a Nathesian, because that was central to her confession. That has to be a mistake Sala made, somehow, because here she is now in Alter Cheliacs doing great about that. So why was she so scared before then? If Keltham wasn't already asking to check in on Ione, I'd tell Sala to fuck off. If she hadn't already pledged herself to Keltham, I'd tell her to tell Keltham to fuck off. Failing both of those, I'm not sure what our good options are here. I hope Sala has thought about this for longer and has something amazing to propose. Horrible past personal trauma that I outgrew over the last nine days. Once I was out as a Nathesian and everybody accepted that about me because I saved all their asses from Nadal. Nobody else on the altar project has a horrible past personal trauma, right? None disclosed yet. Okay. I told a boy once he'd been raised on his parents' stories of old Cheliacs and sincerely believed that if he turned me into the authorities, I was done for, now that Asmodeus was running the country. He told me that I correctly read his sincerity and stupidly believed him and was too scared to ask any authorities. He blackmailed me into sexual service for a couple of years. I eventually broke loose. Not sure how. I probably didn't just kill him. I ended up thinking that was what men just wanted and tried to offer it to Keltham. But I now realize this was probably some kind of lingering insanity. And actually, Keltham can just have a normal relationship with me. I don't like it, but I'm having a hard time predicting specific Keltham objections. 
I couldn't even predict Keltham's specific objections to the concept of military discipline, so I shouldn't expect to get them here. I don't like it. And I want something better, but I don't know. What's better? No, I do. It's what's more normal. What happens to more people than this happens to? In Alter Cheliacs, I realize it happens all the time in real Cheliacs. This is way too close to being a trope. If it happened to Alteriona, she should be hiding it and presenting Keltham with some more normal story that we can reveal this trope hiding behind, if at some point we want him to believe in tropes so his girlfriends can extract him from the project. One of her parents got executed for being an Athesian under the old regime? And she knows the new one says it's different, but she didn't really believe it until it came out and they were like, yeah, fine. I like it more, but why did old Cheliacs execute Nathesians? Real Taldor doesn't, as far as I know. I don't think it does, no. The Church of Nethys sided with a claimant to the throne, and the retaliation included retaliation against the church. Is there precedent for that in Taldor? Not in the histories I've read, except for the part where Taldor is so big, so old, and so internally divided that there's precedent for anything? I'm not sure about the theology on this. My actual sense of Nethys is that we don't really do the thing about siding with throne claimants. Side with a wizard, sure, or side with a library. The Church of Nethys ran a library in my hometown of Wark by Lacastle. The Count of Lacastle decided he liked the librarian, or didn't like the books, stuff happened. Every registered Nethesian in the city got executed. No, that wouldn't make me scared when I got to Ostenso, I don't think. It wouldn't be general prejudice against Nathesians. Everybody thinking Nathesians are Alter Manohar. A general prejudice against Nathesians in Alter Cheliacs does seem plausible. I must personally say that some of your early charms were lost on me after I had to construct a universe which would somehow contain you inside it. The old regime banned the church after some incidents that aren't spoken of so that no one gets any ideas, and even under the new regime you're supposed to have gone in to promise under truth spell you're not doing various classes of thing like wishes, and your parents were scared and had preferred to practice in secret, though not on anything dangerous. If I'd been a Nathesian my whole life, I'd damn well find out under the new regime what the incidents were. I guess maybe not if I was hiding and didn't dare ask suspicious questions. Let's go ask Mylal right now, says Keltham. We don't do unspecified incidents on my wall. We always know ourselves specifically what happened, even if our alter selves don't. Let's first figure out what alter Ioni believed, and then we can figure out what was true. I think the second part's going to be substantially easy, especially as she can be wrong. Some Nathesion exploded the wrong person, I might guess. I don't feel like I'd guess. I'd want to know. Nethys is god of knowledge, not god of guesses. Alterione would ask Mayal herself, though maybe not this fast. Old Chaliacs required all Nathesians to be registered and was sometimes known to kill them en masse if a noble felt like it. Ione's mother thought it was safer not to register. She was wrong. She'd probably have died when Ione was too young to remember, though, so that wouldn't have traumatized her much, if at all. Do non-Asmodeans get attached to parents that way, even if they're too young to remember? Don't ask me that. I was just thinking we should actually kill my mother for consistency purposes. We should have a non-Chelish person on call for these sorts of things. Ioni would have been... four if it was right before the war? 
I don't think four-year-olds have emotional attachments unless you're trying to raise them dependent on you for some reason. Asmodia is now inspecting her wall. That remark about Ione wanting her mother dead sparked a memory. She'd heard something about Ione's parents before this. Moot point. This doesn't fly. Ione, you told Keltham over a meal that your parents were a couple of low-level bureaucrats who wizard-tracked you because they didn't know what to do with you. Oh, right. Sorry, I- Don't fucking oh-right me. If you fuck up like that during a real conversation, everybody on this project dies. Well done, Asmodia. Ione, spend some time tonight reading everything you've said to Keltham. Is there a way to convince Keltham the project does not have transcripts from before the Zonkuthon War because the copies sent out were destroy on receipt and the copies on site were destroyed by the attack? We'd probably take, let's call it a four-to-one hit on conspiracy, as I'd guess Keltham's guess is. I'm hard-pressed to guess if that's better or worse than trying to subtly edit the transcript instead. I think we can probably get away with claiming that there's only transcripts of Keltham's lectures, plus a bunch of particular not-very-detailed reports that people submitted about private conversations that Keltham knows we know about, or that would have been written up in Alter Cheliacs. I can write up outlines of those, but people should actually write their own reports, so the tone will be right and people will know what's in them. Ah. Uh, this should theoretically include the Queen if she would have reported on any of her own interactions. I'll put in the report to Igorian that we're compiling Alter Chiliac's documentation. In your judgment, does the Queen of Alter Chiliac submit such? Keltham pitched her on what the project could do. I think the Alter Queen probably reports something about that, especially if there was anything in there she hadn't already heard. I admit, I'm having some trouble remembering in my own head what Keltham said versus what got picked up in his thoughts. Most of the really interesting and reportable stuff was in his thoughts. I don't need to be present for this part of the conversation. Keltham is inquiring about my romantic route. I need to know how specifically I got scared to the point where I acted like I did. Maybe my librarian got burned when I was four. Would I remember that? Fuck all this. Why couldn't the church have taken over Alter Cheliacs ten years ago instead? I told Keltham I was twelve. I guess I could shave a couple of years off my age, though I also told him I'm on my second deployment. I suppose we'd have to fake all your paperwork and everyone else's paperwork anyways. I doubt our files in real Cheliacs would pass. No, I'm pretty sure somebody's told Keltham at some point how long ago the church took over. Ah, uh, my yol told him it was 15 years. I think somebody else told him before then, probably you. Don't remember when. This is why I keep wishing people would stop telling Keltham things. Yes, I know that's impossible. Oh, and you know what else? Screes don't work in the palace. Two-way mirrors don't easily communicate inside the palace proper, or inside major regional bureaucracy headquarters, because otherwise Keltham could demand to see paperwork, and then more referenced paperwork, and just keep on looking until he went past what we could fake, and found something whose inconsistency with Alter Cheliacs runs too deep for blocking out particular sentences from his attention. Yep, all right. Authorizing that lie to the extent it's even a lie. All major bureaucracy centers are like this site unscriable for security reasons. Could Ioni have an older sibling who warned her to not tell the Chelish government she was Nathesian and then mysteriously vanished? 
that would be an excellent story if the goal was to make Keltham believe in tropes. You know, if we're going for shallow stories with deeper trope stories behind them, I'd go with, there was a boy who blackmailed me about being Nathesian and forced sex out of me. Deeper story. That boy was my brother. It would explain my searing hatred and desire to watch him slowly suffer and die, if that showed up in Detect Desires at some point. Also, why I'm not discussing any details and am not telling Keltham his name. Might work. I at least like it better than the first version, and Keltham won't pry because he becomes absurdly solicitous at the slightest sign of weakness. So remember how Keltham reacted to our story about Manohar. Remember his thoughts in the transcript, just looking it over, thinking, instinctively feeling that it wasn't reality? Keltham has something deeper than words, numbers, that he uses to notice stories. I think he notices the story here, because it is a story. At best, he blames it on tropes. At worst, he correctly blames it on us. That just brings us back to, it's really best not to lie to Keltham. Which, I agree, that's why personally I didn't betray Asmodeus at the first opportunity and tell Keltham not to let them disappear me. Ione did, so... She could say she doesn't actually remember that conversation and her recollection of the day before the vision is generally blurry. No, that definitely gets Keltham trying to track down the exact details. She could say that, embarrassingly, she seems to have come back from her contact with Takaral exclusively attracted to the undead? Oh, that's not the least bit suspicious. Happens all the time outside of stories. Total changes of sexual orientation could be common as a result of... Keltham gets suspicious and asks me to have sex with a zombie while checking my arousal levels. Well, that'll take some time to arrange, during which we can figure out how to fake it. Veto. Not in my compact. I'd sooner tell him that I picked up to Carl's sexuality and am now attracted exclusively to voluptuous drow women to Carl. Ione, what did your brother actually do to you? Anything dramatic? Tropey? Just got my life as close as he could to hell without visibly to my parents decreasing my sale value as wizard livestock. She's not telling them the bird story. These are not friends. He didn't actually rape me, if that's what... Okay, see, that? That is reality. Right there. It sounds real because it is real. Some unspecified boy you were around growing up scared the shit out of you about what happened to Nathesians and you never realized how much he was actually lying to you until now. Dark Reveal, that boy was actually your brother. That's it, nothing more improbable than that actually happened to you. And we don't have a transcript of that conversation, only of the lectures, and we pray Keltham doesn't remember anything but the sexy bit. Done. That's the best we're going to get. I hope you just mean done on the scared Nathesian backstory, because I also need approval on the story of how I got Nethys touched enough to borrow books from libraries, how I found out about Nethys and became a worshiper in the first place. I am going to have to figure out Nethesian theology from scratch and write down what I would obviously know about it, unless you can get the most high to reconsider the damage she's doing to alter Cheliacs by not letting me have real Nethesian theology that will fit with everything else. And also, if I didn't get sex extracted from me, we have not explained why I offered myself to Keltham that completely, when that's not in fact my sexuality, and that's going to show up in my arousal levels. That he can read.
Did you, in fact, possess a convenient childhood passion for libraries or learning or something? Run away from home because they wouldn't let you read books? Anything interesting like that? I read what I could get my hands on. Thought about running away from home all the time. It never seemed like actually the correct strategic move compared to becoming a powerful wizard and eventually coming back for my revenge. And at some point when you were reading everything and thinking about that, you had a religious experience and then just knew you could get books from the library without going. On theology as I know it, I should have been a pretty devout Nathesian before that point. I guess Nethys could have just foreseen I'd be on Project Lawful someday and have been looking for an excuse. That implies more foresight than I think people have been attributing to Nethys. I don't think Nethys can predict actualities rather than possibilities that finally... Veto. It implies too much else if Nethys can do that. What if you only got those powers after you became a wizard and were already an Athesian? Then you're already in Ostenso Academy. Nethys guesses where Project Lawful gets located. Still seems like a lot, but Nethys could have been making multiple tries. Works for me. If I'm already a wizard, it's more plausible that Nethys is being even slightly nice to me. Look, if we're trying stories neighboring to reality, how about if I was terrified that we'd be sent back at any moment and replaced with better researchers and more seductive women? I was absolutely certain that Nethys wanted me to stay with Keltham, and I was trying to offer him the most I possibly could so as to try not to be sent away from him. Maybe? But I think that's just not what an Alter Cheliac's girl goes for when she's trying to be as seductive as possible. I can consistently not be able to seduce anyone worth a fuck. That does lie within my acting abilities. Were you, when you said that, actually just trying to seduce Keltham from your best model of how to do it, or were you doing something more complicated? Trying to seduce Keltham in one minute, while so terrified that producing an outward appearance of not being terrified was the limit of my acting abilities, and I couldn't fake any other emotions. I knew Nethys had made me an oracle. I knew that it'd give me an alignment aura of lawful evil, from my personal aura only. I knew that might look at first like I just got a single lawful evil cleric circle, but that I wouldn't be able to get past the subsequent investigation. I knew that if I couldn't attach myself to Keltham before he left the room, I was dead, and that Nethys would shatter my soul if I didn't try. I couldn't be seductive under those circumstances. All I could do was make Keltham the biggest offer I knew how to make. So Alter Ioni gets added to this project. She's an Athesian, and her brother has told her to keep quiet about it, and she knows he hates her, but she doesn't know if he's lying about that. Then it immediately becomes clear that this warrants more resources than are currently pointed at it, and she wants to be among the people who gets to stay very, very badly, and she decides that the thing to do is seduce Keltham in one minute and tries it. What else does that produce? What else is that Alter Ione up to? How would that alter Ione address her error when she realized that actually being a Nethysian was fine and that she's not going to get discarded from the project as long as she can keep learning the math? I mean, as near as I can tell, the answer to that is Alterione, who I've been keeping as close to Real Ione as possible. She saved the project from Nadal in the process of completely blowing her cover as a Nethysian, and everybody accepted her because she was powerful and useful. 
Then she was freed of all the horrible fears that had cowed her over her whole life before and burst out of her shell like a phoenix rising. This, by the way, is also incredibly visibly true of Asmodia if you have any before and after comparison. Asmodia went to hell and it was good for her, Carissa says flatly. She can decide for herself if she's going to have a more detailed story prepared than that, but it's what the rest of us observed and it is unsurprising to us because hell is often equipped to help people notice ways they were holding themselves back. Gosh, I wonder what interesting thing will happen to Yaisa that causes her to stop being afraid of hell and that will have to cover up from Keltham so he doesn't notice the tropes densely pressing in on him from all directions. Do I have approval here? It sounded like I have approval. You're dismissed. Come to us if there's anything else of note in the transcripts of all your conversations with Keltham you're going to go read. She'll walk out without further ado then. Maybe the secret Keltham possesses is the secret of getting Kiliax to not write outrageously manipulative and deceptive contracts. If you think I'm underpaid, you can just pay me more. You know, you don't have to lose bets to me. All right, what's your interpretation? I don't think he can possibly have been warned that Cheliax usually writes deceptive or manipulative contracts because he'd just leave. I checked that assumption by reaching out to our church in Lingshen, where I figured most people wouldn't be apprised of inner sea politics, and asking them to ask all their priests what they'd do in a similar situation, and none of them would stay in the country that usually writes deceptive or manipulative contracts. Because it's inherently appalling, and because why would you want to make them richer even if you could? So he's this cautious. We're not warned that Cheliax usually writes deceptive or manipulative contracts or this is standard language where he's from. And he's very financially sophisticated. We knew his civilization was very financially sophisticated, but he must individually work in contracts within it to have been able to reproduce all this from memory or else have some way to access its information and records or to speak perhaps via sending with the people of his home world. If he has that, I'm guessing it's very limited. Sending would be limited enough because he would hire a bunch of advisors there to review everything if it weren't too limited and they'd have caught Cheliax in a lie by now. Hemaka, Lintamande, or Cheliax is also communicating with this other world on their own and, for example, bribing his team of advisors to assure him everything is fine or manipulating their communications to him. Maybe? I lean against that whole class of theories because Cheliax is behaving like if he dies or leaves the interdiction zone, they're out of the game forever, which is less true if they have contact with his world. In what sense are they behaving like that? I'm at 90% now, that everyone identified as associated with the project is still on site in the fortress, in the interdiction zone, despite having skill sets that would be incredibly useful elsewhere. They aren't yet observed to be increasing the number of Project Lawful Girls. They wrote this notably conciliatory contract and sold him an option on Sevar's soul, which is not something Hell generally does or is willing to be known to do. And that contract was also notably careful. To our best observations, he hasn't left the building since he got there. Sevar has been assigned responsibility to a fairly ludicrous degree given what we've been able to learn about her qualifications. None of those are dispositive, but they're two. One each more in some cases, for scenarios where Cheliax does not actually have a plan they think is viable to survive long-term in a world where he leaves. This is a major focus of intelligence at this time, obviously, since it means that we may have a war on our hands the second we pick him up. 
for the kind of civilized but unpleasant interaction with which two lawful countries in principle ought to be able to avert war, not that I know it to have ever worked, where we arrive at agreement on how it'd go and pay out accordingly. It's Chelyaks. I wouldn't trust them with a peace treaty. Sure, they won't break it, but it might have a hole I can't see. Relatedly, how sure are we that these contracts are in fact relatively innocuous? Not positive, but we do have a lot of effort pointed at identifying unexpected interactions of the terms, and there are some ways they can cheat him on the margins, but solid odds at this point, that they mostly felt constrained to straightforwardness on the core terms lest they lose him entirely. It's Chelyaks. They're lying as much as they can get away with, but the most significant new information from this contract is that there are real limits here to how much they can get away with. Also that he's going to make Chelyaks very rich on fairly short timescales. Also that. So we have to be prepared for a war with Chelyaks at the drop of a hat, while they're getting stronger every day and we're not. And they obviously already outmatch us, if not tied up in Nidal and at the world wound. Have we asked Nefreti? We have commissioned a scroll of wish from Philandriel Morgetai. We gamble that Keltham, when he flees, will knowably to Chelyaks know some things we could do with it if they saw fit to go to war. Which I have at 80%. And I tried to get further advice from Nefreti, and she said, and I quote, You're thinking too far ahead and not far enough, which I could have gotten from a copper seer. I have it at 90% she'll help if Osirion's actually at risk of conquest by Chelyax. What does the remaining 10% look like? She's following a fairly detailed plan from Nethys and can't step out of it. Luckily for us, if Nethys has a fairly detailed plan to leverage all this to produce lots of very big explosions, it looks more likely Keltham knows what to do with a scroll of wish and Chelyax knows it. Can we spy on his lessons to Chelyax? Try to directly learn the arts he'll be making them richer with. Set a fair payment aside for him contractually until he can claim it. Projects are hard not to crack. We got confirmation that Salah and Pineda are both in it, despite not having sold their souls. But almost everyone else in the building is committed to hell. And Chelyax's style of governance imposes many economic disadvantages on them, but it does mean it is incredibly expensive to convince anyone to spy on them. All the same. If Chelyax wants to get rich, they'll have to bring in more people sooner or later, and the contract suggests they're ready for it to be sooner, and as soon as there's someone who we can meaningfully offer access. Merenre shifts his beads, lost in thought. The poor kid, Hamaka says, when it's been quiet a while. He just wants to make our world rich. He probably wants a lot of other things. I just hope Chelyax can't give them to him. Timestamp, day 13, 10. Still nighttime. Keltham's going to ask whether he should forge ahead at full speed or go slower so as not to leave lots of broken heretics in his wake. I think we want our answer to be forge ahead. More time isn't going to help him much on the broken heretics front since he doesn't even know what specific belief collapses he's protecting against. And for our hiring purposes, it'd be useful to know sooner what share of people shatter on contact with Dathylonism, even if they've sold their souls and been warned in advance. 
However, I am interested in any opinions to the contrary. In particular, you are each, in fact, very valuable. And if you think you're near-shattering, that is a significant strategic consideration we'd want and might be sufficient reason to tell Keltham to slow down. 75% that Keltham isn't willing to forge ahead as fast as possible after the first time. What exactly happens to a broken heretic? I'll also be the one to mention that, for example, sending them to hell, or putting them in a torture chamber to try to break back, substantially increases the chance that Keltham eventually tells Osirion all about how you make lots and lots and lots of fire to launch things into space, or just, you know, get rid of other things on the ground that made you very angry. A consideration I'd weight more highly, hearing it from someone who isn't a heretic, and would only say it if it were true. The Queen has said already that arrangements have been made in Hell such that anyone who deliberately betrays us will suffer for it as much as possible. Anyone who wakes up one night and realizes they hate Asmodeus and want to defect, but who in sensible self-preservation comes and reports this to us, will be unharmed. Probably we'll have you tell Keltham as much of the truth as possible and join the dropout girls, drawing a generous salary under a dominate person, but not one that affects you when Keltham's not around. It is my hope that some of you might find in yourself an instinct of disapproval at that, a sense that you are not a friend to your hypothetical heretic self and don't like the idea of her living in luxury. To see yourself as you'd see any other similarly flawed subordinate is a useful skill, and I highly recommend it. But no one can matter so much I'd risk Keltham to make sure they get what they deserve. The precise measures security will take in the case of a girl who turns on us are not to be known to you. I predict they are adequate. Security. Tell Sivar my thoughts are and were sincere. This isn't alter chiliacs. You don't need to rely on reading my facial expression to figure out if I'm cooperating or not. And prediction. Message to Sivar. Order in which the non-special girls on the project break. Tonya, Peranza, Gregoria, Meritixel. Security confirms that Sala is sincere, if very contemptuous. Security also notes that he'd bet money on Peranza breaking before Tonya, judging by how hard Peranza is currently telling herself that she's fine and has nothing to worry about. I don't think you're deceiving me. I think you're deceiving yourself. Or being careless with arguments that lead places you like, at least. Tanya, if you were going to become a broken heretic, what thought process would it probably be over? Who does that to someone? Tanya sits there in blank-faced horror for several thousand years, maybe several million years. Long enough, the universe should really have ended and been replaced by whatever will succeed it. Inexplicably, everyone is still here staring at her. I don't want to have sex with Keltham. Not actually a problem. If he starts getting corrupted in a direction where it might be a problem, we can substitute an impersonator for you anyway. If he's going down that slope, we want to make sure we are very competently rewarding it. I don't like it when you ask me questions. Come on, Tonya. That's not even something people sometimes say is heretical. Tonya wishes very, very dearly this had never happened to her, and she'd just gone to the world woo. Maybe that's an answer? I wish I'd not been chosen for this and gone to the world wound. And not sold your soul. 
and had at least the fantasy of escaping hell and been doing something that even paladins do and that therefore appeases whatever good impulses there are inside you? That sounds very bad and terrible and heretical. It, no? Thinking, wow, I wish I wasn't going to hell, is not the kind of thing that is going to cause a catastrophic breakdown or make you someone none of the rest of us can ever trust. I have met actual clerics of Asmodeus who wish they weren't going to hell. What? Does Asmodeus not have enough people who want to go to hell he can choose? That doesn't have anything to do with anything anyway. Tanya attempts to nod. If, Carissa says, everyone except me on this project decides they want to go to Abaddon as a reward for service on it, then probably that will happen, because you are all very valuable and have lots of bargaining power. I really hope you'll give me a decade, first, to see if I can make something you'd want to exist for. I really, really don't want it to end like that. It'd never be all right from there, no matter how glorious a thing we built, but there's so much at stake, as long as we're winning that almost any stupid thing you want is safe to want. A heretic isn't that much of a problem. A broken heretic is one who's stopped seeing that the heretical things they want, they can have. I want to stop being in the heavy punishments group, says Tanya. I had that coming, didn't I? Let's discuss it after a conclusion is reached on this. If Tanya asked me to get her out of the project, would she find herself outside the Forbiddens with a teleport scroll a few seconds later, and myself standing here with no idea what happened? Only if that served Asmodeus. So no. Also, that's not quite what happened with Tonya last time. Pilar will probably figure it out herself eventually, once she's got enough Elon in her. Peranza would be fine so long as she could just be alter Peranza all her waking hours and never had to do anything as real Peranza. She can't say that everybody will think she's crazy. Permission to ask Keltham tomorrow about how we can collect a lot of different predictions into one prediction that summarizes them if we want to guess which girl he dates next after Ioni. Only without people being able to predict themselves or know what other people predicted about them. Then, whatever Keltham says for how to do that, we do that on everyone's predictions of the probability that anyone else is about to break in the next three days. Permission granted, and we'll run the method he suggests with and without security. With, since they're the ones reading minds, and without, since they might not have the skill for making predictions. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.